0: Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show! I'm your host, Brian Nichols, Associate Editor over at the Libertarian Republic. Brian Nichols Show is the latest and greatest podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. If it's your first time join the Brian Nichols Show, welcome. The Brian Nichols Show. We are the fastest-growing Liberty podcast, reaching those all across the political spectrum, all across the world. As host, my goal is to present the news you care about in an objective manner, with the goals to help educate, enlighten, and inform. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at BNicholsLiberty. And please feel free to subscribe to the Patreon at B. Liberty to help us keep on producing this content you enjoy. Have a question or comment, email me at TheBrianNicholsShow at gmail.com. And as always, please share today's podcast with friends and family to help promote the message of liberty. Also, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. And also, if you're interested... In one of these great, phenomenal, don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker, send me an email over at Show at gmail.com for more details. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by yet another phenomenal guest. He's a uh, Director of Content for the Foundation for Economic Education, Editorial Director at the American Institute for Economic Research, columnist at Forbes, a managing partner at Bellum Capital, the founder of Liberty.me, distinguished honorary member of Mrs. Brazil, economic advisor to FreeSociety.com, researcher and fellow at the Acton Institute, policy advisor at the Harlan Institute, founder of the Cryptocurrency Conference, member of the editorial board for the Manali Review, advisor to the blockchain application builder FatCom, and author of not one, two, three, but five books, most recently, Right Wing Collectivism, The Other Threat to Liberty. He has written 150 introductions to books and more than 10,000 articles appearing in the scholarly and popular press. And most importantly of all, he is an excellent dinner guest as witnessed by yours truly at the America's Future Foundation annual retreat, the one, the only Dr. Jeffrey Tucker. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. And let's be clear. But if you live long enough, you get an awesome biography. <laughs> yeah, just, so so that, that huge thing that you read, that's only because I'm 54 years old. <laughs> I, can, I can assure you, those aren't achievements. That's just what happens to you when you hang around long enough.
0: Well, I I mean, to to my listeners, it it just speaks to the qualifications, if I will, of the the man I'm speaking to, because, um, you know, I had the pleasure of sitting down with you at, as I mentioned, America's Future Foundation retreat back in in April um, when we were up in Detroit, and um, to just have the opportunity to sit with you and, and just to be able to pick your brain, I mean... It was just a wealth of knowledge. And then to have you give your your keynote uh, discussing uh, the Trump America, it was just very enlightening.
1: So let me just go back and reflect on that evening just a little bit. First of all, it was wonderful to to hang out with you. There's so many wonderful people there. But, you know, part of the problem I think I have as a keynote speaker is that I have so many – Big things I want to talk about, and I, I felt like that evening everybody wanted me to just kind of tell jokes and talk about bow ties <laughs> and talk about bourbon for breakfast and and talk about like hey hang in there liberty's gonna be great. Instead, I plunged into a ideological reconstruction of the influence on, on German uh, style Hegelianism on on American politics, and 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 I, I felt like it, it, like people weren't ready for that after dinner and 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 actually after about 45 minutes the organizer was like okay that's enough of this weird crap that you're talking about <laughs> and I, I kind of regretted it you, do you know what I mean I mean I because I, I I guess part of me just wants to like I'm so convinced of this paradigm um, of, of understanding the ideological layout like it makes sense of the chaos all around us that I really wanted to use that chance to to explain this to all these awesome people in the room but at the same time I don't think that everybody was entirely prepared for that so I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if you know what I mean and the other thing is that I'm sometimes a little dopey you know I'm like I just think oh here's an audience oh here's something I know let's go you know and I prepare <laughs> like a five hours of, of content and So so sometimes – so if anybody is listening who's considering me me for an after-dinner speaker or something like that, just know that sometimes I get a little confused.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean as one sitting and enjoying uh, your your 45-minute speech that you gave, um, I thought it was very fascinating because – you were able to take the – and I'll just, you know, give a sneak peek is what, what we're going to talk about today. But kind of to summarize what you talked about uh, back in, in April was, you know, the the manner in which America has essentially – it's welcomed and almost created this situation to have someone like Donald Trump get sure. to the presidency and, and sure, using sure, sure, that, sure. that populist rhetoric. And, and you spoke to that uh, very, very, yeah, yeah. Uh, very well. And I think um, – you know, to, to listen to that and you kind of see where we are as a society today and the way we approach various issues, it um, it really helps put things in perspective, especially when you can see, you know, obviously the, the old adage is those who don't learn from history are condemned to repeat it. And yeah. to see how we've, we've kind of gone through this cycle in the past. So could you kind of speak to that and, and yeah, yeah. give my audience so, an idea? And,
1: and, and, and part of me is a little confused. It's like, why do we keep recreating these these ideological categories? Is it because is it because we're slaves of history? Because we're controlled by the ghosts of the past? I mean, the fact that that uh, you know Thomas Carlyle in eighteen forty wrote you know the great man theory of history. Are we still haunted by that? You know th- that that uh, uh, you know some some progressive era right wing uh, idiot you know plotted uh, you know the, um, the extermination of of non whites. In, in 1906 you know are is that still part of our cultural inheritance and we're we're kind of wandering around aimlessly being controlled by philosophers dead philosophers in the past I or you know or do we re, keep recreating these categories because there's a, a kind of illiberal Uh, logic to the aspiration to control the state and so the branding keeps having to change you know and I don't know the answer to that question actually Um, and sometimes I look at Donald Trump and I think oh my god you are the culmination of the right wing the right Hegelian dreams of 1820 you know uh, uh, you know in the in the wake of the loss of the battle of Jena, when the Prussian state and the Prussian church uh, you know a, a wove, a theory of history in which despite all intentions and all randomness of, of human choice, there was a, a baked in inevitability to the rise of the state and the destruction of individualism. <clears throat> or, you know, is history kind of a, a randomized shuffling of, 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 of you know, several choices, you know, right-wing illiberalism, left-wing illiberalism, and liberalism, you know, and we keep defaulting back to this again and again. And I haven't quite made up my my mind on that question, but but this much I do know: when I look out at it, Trump, there's and and the movement is inspired. There's nothing, nothing, that's random or, or surprising about it. it. It's all unfolding exactly as you would have expected. And the and the and the purpose of my my book was to highlight this kind of. Alternative collectivist tradition that we don't know that much about in living memory, and 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 it's been it's like resurrecting from the dead, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and it's like a séance has taken place, and like here's these ghosts of interwar dictatorships and uh, uh, rightist reaction to to leftist extremism, and it's all around us, and everybody's looking at looking at it, and go, huh, that's a little weird. Who's this guy? Huh? I wonder why he's saying those kind of things. Oh, he doesn't like immigrants. Well, maybe he's got a good point. I never quite thought of it that way. Oh, he wants protectionism. Huh? But well, that's a little bit random. Well, I guess foreign countries are kind of kind of suck, you know. And <laughs> oh, he says he can fix everything because he's a great man. Well, maybe he is. I don't know. You know. So the <laughs> it's, it's that that random that randomized confusion. You know, as if we're we're. We're, we're, you know, it's it's as if it's 1930, and we're at the public park, and there's a aspiring dictator on a soapbox, and he's saying, "People of America, you can be great. Uh, we need to get rid of bad foreigners, get rid of bad foreign products, and bad foreign governments, and leave it to me, the great man." And then your lives will be complete we will be great again and there's some stupid idiot sitting out there going huh I never quite thought of it that way <laughs> let's elect this man and then we can get rid of all the things I don't like he seems to be on my side not on the side of the bad mainstream media and the bad and the side of that you know the left who I know I don't like and I don't entirely kind of connect with what he's saying, but let's give him a chance. I mean, that seems to be what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's what frustrates me. And that's the reason I wrote my book, was to, like, familiarize people with this very real, extremely prescient uh, uh, reality over the last 200 years where rightist-style collectivism rises up in the wake of the failure of leftist-style collectivism and we keep taking the bait, you know, and, 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 and the upshot of, of my, the themes that I've been writing about over the last uh, couple of years has been like, no, guys, look, there's another way. And that way is called liberalism. It has a 500-year-old tradition. It's all about freedom for the individual, the right of society to, and the capacity of society to kind of organize itself. We don't need Trump. We don't need Elizabeth Warren. We don't need Obama. We don't need any of these people. Uh, we just we just let let's let's have laissez faire. Let's have freedom and human rights, and 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 that's the way we achieve greatness.
0: It's amazing too, because you you're not the only one who's seeing, saying this right now. And obviously, uh, out of the University of Toronto, Dr. Jordan Peterson has become one of the most yeah, yeah. prominent voices in the ideas of rejecting. Uh, the collectivism of both, as you're mentioning, the, yeah, yeah. the left and the right, but then also embracing this notion of, of the individual. So, I mean, do you kind of look at a man like Jordan Peterson oh. as kind of like a bedfellow with you? Oh,
1: oh uh, well, I mean, <laughs> it, in a word, yes, yes. Okay. So, yes. But here's what's amazing to me about about Jordan Peterson. And it's not so much Jordan Peterson but as a reaction to him. So he comes along and he says, "Hey, you can't violate my rights." How about that? Yeah, I'm just not going to go along with you You're violating my rights. And the left is like, "Oh my god. Somebody's disagreeing with what we we we've told him to do. He must be a Nazi." <laughs> I
0: mean it's it's quite a jump to conclusions there.
1: Yeah, no, but that's that's why they are, right? I mean these people are insane. So they're like, "He must be a fascist." Uh, he must have secret racist uh, biases. He must hate LGBT, LGBT people. You know, there's something, there's something demonic about him because he doesn't agree with us. And and it's been fascinating to me to see the the narrative of this guy because they tried to, you know, like, he he disagreed, he disagreed with the idea that anybody should be able to impose on his right to think and speak. Right. That was it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, you must be probably, you're probably the devil. You're probably kind of like Hitler. And and a very naive Canadian intellectual that he was, he was like, no, I my whole life has been opposing collectivism. I despise fascism. Mm-hmm. I hate uh, Nazi, you know. Like the Holocaust is the worst thing that ever happened. I mean, he explains this, like, wait, wait, you're not making any sense to us. You're disagreeing with with our desire to impose upon you, mm-hmm. but you're not pushing for an alternative desire to impose upon us. Like, you know, and, and I feel like it gradually dawned on him, and I don't think it was obvious to him even at, at this point last year, that he is a liberal. He's a genuine mm-hmm classical liberal in, in the classical sense and now he's getting it and he's like, oh you thought because I disagreed with the Canadian civil rights you know, uh, legislation that therefore I must be some sort of, uh, must be filled with hate or something and, and you're shocked to discover that I'm not. Welcome to a traditional understanding of what human liberty is mm. you know? and, and, and honestly let me just say this I think so this just shows you how stupid the left is, right? So if, if the left really opposed the right, the alt-right, for example, right, they would have celebrated Jordan Peterson in every sense. They, instead of the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Vox, and I don't know, you could name all the left-to-center uh, uh, venues or far-left or the SJW side you want, they should have said, oh, this is a great man. He is the ultimate alt-right killer, which he is, right? Oh, yeah. And they should have celebrated him as a genuine liberal. But because these ideological categories are basically invisible to the left, and also they're extremely stupid people, uh, they tried to demonize him as being some sort of rightist, and it's completely 100% wrong. He, he's opposed to identity politics of all sorts, and he's been very aggressive about this. In fact, I have a theory that despite the left's attempt to demonize the guy, Jordan Peterson has been the best thing that's happened to intellectual culture over the last 18 months. And, and the reason mm. is not because he opposes the left, which he does, and that's mm. been awesome, but because he worked as the perfect honeypot for the alt-right. And so, the alt-right was like, oh, here's a guy who's opposed to this stupid LGBT uh, Canadian civil rights legislation. Let's follow him. And he's like, okay, fine. Follow me if you wish. But now you have to listen to me. And here's what I have to say. Individualism, uh, uh, down with identity politics, up with human liberty, uh, let's, let's be a liberal, let's oppose violence. And he's been the greatest teacher for the alt-right you can imagine. And I don't think it's, a coincidence that the strength of the alt right began to kind of die when Jordan Peterson became so prominent. I think he's been an awesome uh, evangelist for the liberal cause.
0: And I didn't really think about it that way because I mean we've seen Dr. Peterson go on and he he's taken the the, the arrows. Um. Oh, he has,
1: and he's strong. I mean, he's yeah. strong and 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 courageous, and and like I say, he's he's adaptable. Like he's learned. Uh, uh, how to anticipate how people are trying to paint him? I don't think he knew this in the early days. Like he's—I'm sorry—I keep saying a "genuine liberal," and I hope you understand what I mean by that. I Absolutely. mean, like genuine liberal in the in the sense of like he just wants the emancipation Liber- of yeah, he, emancipation of the human spirit, the 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 universal uh, the, the universal right of everybody to live a dignified life in freedom. Okay, that's that's what he believes in, and and he was shocked. When, when the left came after him so hard. And that's why so many of the interviews you see with him online, he's like discombobulated. He's like, what are you talking about? I believe in the rights of the human person. I, I want the rights of every individual uh, to, 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 uh, to define his or her life according to his or her own lights. And this is this is what he genuinely believes. And he's been educated about basically the pathologies of the left, the pathologies of the right, is something he just presumed all along. But he just didn't know how horrible the enemy that he had take on, taken on would truly be. But but as a result, he's so intelligent that he's, he's slaughtered them at every turn. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. And Agreed. And, and again, let me state it uh, with, with as much clarity as I possibly can. If the left was genuinely opposed to right, rightist collectivism, racism, fascism, and Nazism and so on. They should have celebrated this guy from the very beginning. They should have put him on Vox, he should be a regular columnist for the New York Times, he, sh- he should have been celebrated by M- MSNBC, CNN should have interviewed him constantly for every polit- you know, modern political issue. He should have been celebrated by the center left as the ultimate alt-right killer. Instead, they're so stupid, they didn't understand who this guy really was. And I think what that illustrates for us as libertarians or traditional liberals or whatever you want to call us, it shows us just how unfamiliar uh, the world of the 21st century is with our ideology. Like, we're so unfamiliar that people don't even recognize it when it comes along.
0: And I, I would say too, part of it, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, is that we, we've gotten into this this tribalist like you you have two camps, and as you've alluded to, it's the the leftist collectivism and then the the right collectivism. And yep. if you're outside of the confines of those two collectivist camps, then you're, you're kind of in this no no man's land where you 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 look at the issues in an objective manner and you take this individualistic approach and I almost think it's like two people speaking different languages where you have the collectivist narrative on each side as it's us against them instead of that's right. it's you as the individual. Do something with your own personal life to make you, uh, you know, to, to make your own personal liberty so, flourish.
1: That's right. And, 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 and by the way, there, there, this is why it's so important for us to understand history. Um, this battle, the, the left and the right versus liberalism, has been going on, as far as I can tell, since 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 uh, the early part of the 19th century. And it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and these two sides developed in opposition to the way in which liberalism was changing the world so dramatically. You know, liberalism is, is awesome because it's like, okay, nobody's an authority, nobody's in charge of society, nobody's in charge of the nation, how about you just be free and let's see what happens. And then once we allowed that, and it, it, And it developed from basically the um, early 16th century, really late 15th century, all the way up into the early 19th century. And then people, the intellectuals started looking around going, wait, this is a disaster. I mean, we hate this. You know, the wrong people are getting prosperous. People are developing the capacity to move where they want, marry whom they want. For God's sake, we're, we're, who's talking about eliminating slavery? What, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Uh, oh, you want women to have rights? You know, so, so, is somebody going to intervene here? We're going <laughs> to we're going to blow away all the traditional hierarchies. We're going. What, what's next? We're going to get rid of monarchies? You know, I mean, like, <laughs> are, are we just not going to control the world at all? You know, what's going to happen to religion? What's going to happen to morality? What's going to happen to our families? I mean, like, I, if I if I if I bear children. Don't you understand? It's my right to like tell them exactly what to do. They can't just turn <laughs> seventeen and move to the city. All right, that ain't gonna happen. And marry some dude I don't know. All right. So 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 the right. And 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 by the way, this this Irish immigrant is simply not permitted to get richer than this 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 Protestant white dude that that has a heritage dating back five generations in our country. All right, and and we can't just trade with anybody. China is not allowed to get rich. Certainly Japan is not. You can't just like bring in spices from Malaysia. This is the why are we eating this food? Where did this who brought this tomato into the, our country anyway? And this is the kind of like this panic that 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 generation in the early 19th century experienced was like we have got to shut down this insane anarchy or else we're going to lose everything. We're going to lose our faith. We're going to lose our, 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 our families. Uh, we're going to lose control of our communities. And for God's sake, this nation that we rely on fundamentally for our, all of our identity and self-definition. And for God's sake, what's going to happen to our wars? If we don't have wars, we're, we're never going to experience heroism and courage and, and, and bloodshed and eneminess. And what's our lives going to be worth then? So there was a huge reaction against liberalism. And that began in the early 19th century. And 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 it culminated basically in the 20th century with communism and Nazism, right? So uh, uh, and so here we are in the 21st century, and we can't quite get rid of this anti-liberal uh, sensibility that people have. This 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 panic that comes in the in light of the loss of control. It's still around us, and we experience it both from Elizabeth Warren. And Donald Trump I mean mm-hmm. it's, those are the two sides out there and 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 what are we fighting for I mean in the end we're fighting for the rights of individuals to live their lives according to their own choosing and for the rights of society to develop and evolve on according to its own lights and 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 that's like I, I think sometimes we as libertarians forget just what a radical thing we're saying you know we're saying nobody's in charge how about that and a lot of the world is going i don't don't know i don't know if that works actually (laughs) (laughs) well if i may one thing that
0: i know and even we see this within a lot of libertarian circles is um the reaction to um some of the more i don't want to say radical but just more consistent libertarian principles like that of saying you know let's look at immigration objectively from a libertarian standpoint. Yeah. And you know the the libertarian libertarian answer is to to allow a free flow of immigration just right. in a form of economics, but then you have um the more I would say the more collectivist group which is almost an oxymoron itself within libertarian circles who argue well if you have open borders then you're going to have what's happening in Europe right now where you have an influx of in this example Uh, these you know murderous Muslims who are are raping and and killing women and children. So what what's the answer like how do we approach that from a libertarian perspective and say this is this is how we're going to fix it or not necessarily fix it. But this is how we address it in a market based solution.
1: Well, I'm really glad you brought up this issue and I, I I. I th- I think it's really important to talk about this stuff frankly and and openly and I my my own view is that like people hold this view you know that like America is a country for white people or let's keep Sweden Sweden you know uh, keep out the immigrants I don't think people who say that should be demonized as racist um I don't think it's it's enough to call names um I think we have to talk about this this subject frankly and I'm I'm really glad that this subject has come along and I've been very disappointed in the way libertarians have been unable to formulate any kind of coherent response to what's basically a right Hegelian sort of nationalist uh, position. And, and I, th- I think th- to do this, let's, let's begin with the, with the problems in Europe, for example, right? So most of these European countries have extreme laws against, because they're hi- highly regulated economies right so they have extreme laws against foreigners working so like we need to understand what this what this implies so you're you're a refugee and you show up in Germany you're like okay here I am in great Germany is there anything I can do for you nope you I can't work nope wait I've got a business idea I'd like to start a business you can't do that not allowed what can I do well you can accept our welfare check and otherwise stay in this ghetto all right, that's not going to make you entirely happy. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to turn you to, to be an antisocial kind of problem, right? So, so the labor legislation, the welfare state, the restrictions on entrepreneurship and starting business, the absence of laissez-faire in these economies are, are all conspiring to make these new immigrants become what many of them become you know like antisocial and, and and angry so that's not the fault of immigration that's the fault of the regimes the social democratic welfare state has made it basically impossible for a lot of the refugees who would otherwise be productive and beautiful members of, of society and and contribute mightily uh, to the to the the, the uh, to the to the cultures and the economic life of all countries uh, it may it impossible for, for people to adapt because of, because of the legislation and then look what happens um, uh, uh, the welfare state and, and by the way democracy in general is premised on this idea that, that a society that, that a nation is a kind of family so you don't entirely like taxation is annoying but on the other hand your money is going to people who are kind of like you people that you would help out if you could. So then then populations look at who's getting the benefits and they go, wait, these people are not like me. Uh, this is not working for me. I don't like this. So then you face a choice. It's like, should we kick them out or should we abolish the welfare state? Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a surprise that 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 people are defaulting to the sense of like, let's get rid of these strangers they're ruining my life they're ruining my nation that is not a surprise because we've misconstrued what nationhood really amounts to so that's that's the that's the dynamic operating in the in the world today in other words we're ultimately going to have to decide do we want diversity or do we want the welfare state what about
0: um and I, I, I ask this because obviously this is the more contemporary issue, not necessarily in America, uh, though it has become one of the, the fears that's been raised up. Uh, yeah. But looking at Europe in particular with the refugee crisis, and obviously yeah. we can we can discuss how, well, if, if it wasn't for the, the endless wars, the refugee crisis would be mitigated, but neither here nor there. That's true. But to discuss the cultural differences between those refugees, mostly based on some type of uh, religious basis so for example um, the the implementation or acceptance of like Sharia law going into these more Western yeah, yeah. democratic societies sure how do we rectify that. that so, do, so yeah.
1: yeah let's let's address that so uh, p- part of the problem of the modern state is it's premised on a kind of homogeneity of, of law and culture and that's because we have big governments and, and totalitarian societies and everybody accepts this as natural and a laissez-faire society That is not a problem. So, like, let's go back to the 19th century America. We had a ton of Jewish immigration. We had a ton of Catholic immigration. Well, guess what? Jews, for the most part, especially uh, Ashkenazi Jews from Russia, for for the most part obeyed their own rabbinical law. They, They created their own communities and obeyed their own law and paid no attention to the nation state whatsoever catholics had their own canon law they're, they're you know a big book they you know complied with uh because the pope said it's the right thing and and that was definitely had primary primacy over the national law it wasn't a problem because we didn't have a central state managing anybody and and nobody in the 19th century well, actually slightly did happen in the 1890s that people said oh look at these catholics who are obeying the pope and this is terrible. But for the most part, it worked because we didn't have a presumption of a homogeneous uh, legal order. We didn't have a presumption of a homogeneous society that everybody's marching in lockstep in the same direction. In the 21st century, that's not true. There's this this assumption that everybody has to be the same or else we, we can't function as a society. And that's what I think genuine liberalism needs to take issue with. Like, why do we want to kick out the immigrants? What we should actually be doing is dismantling the whole presumption that, that the nation needs to be a homogeneous thing in terms of religion, race, language, dynasty, geography, whatever, the, whatever it is that, that for you defines what nationhood is, that's what we need to unravel. But violating human rights, uh, preventing people from hiring whom they want to hire, working with whom they want, uh, uh, traveling, the right of travel, denying those rights is the worst possible thing we could ever do. So I, you know, I, I, I would just urge li- liberals and, and libertarians to focus on the actual problem, which is not human beings, but the institutions that are making, making, making it so difficult for us to come together and find value in each other as human beings. That's, that's the fundamental issue. And um, I mean, there's more we can say about this topic, but I, I, I think the tendency of libertarians to turn against free migration has really been catastrophic for our cause. I really do. Uh, which is not the same thing of saying as saying, oh, we should all argue for open borders right now. I, I do think we should favor open borders. But I think more fundamentally, we need to restructure our conception of what a nation is. And that is something that libertarians are not intellectually prepared to do right now because we haven't studied the subject enough. We haven't thought about it hard enough. And that's why ra- racism and uh, 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 religious bigotry and all these things that I would, you know, which are real things, have made their have made conquests of, of the liber- libertarian world because we haven't been sophisticated enough to deal with it intellectually and otherwise.
0: And, and it's such a hot button issue. It's yep, so it is. it's so difficult to discuss, especially when you're in this this paradigm of this left right. Um, you know, you exactly. Either, yeah, either you're you're with the the left or you're with the right, and well, for you, sure. And you can't really. It, it's weird to say, but like libertarians tend to be. A, the mix, I would say, of the best parts of the left and the right in terms of the, the social acceptance and the fiscal economic responsibility. And and really, I think it boils down to the most basic being, don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff. And yes. with that, the libertarian society builds on top of that. It's yes. just, it's, as you alluded to, it's so difficult for libertarians, not only to have an intellectual conversation about it, but to have the stones to stand on, uh, stand on principle and say, here's what we believe. You can you sling the arrows at us all you want, but this is this is the reason we believe it, and and this is why morally we look at the the issue, for example, of immigration, and we feel that we're in the right position here. Um, now, doing yeah. a complete 180, uh, just because if I have an economist on, I want to talk about economics a little bit. Um, I I wanted to, to get your opinion on um, obviously right now we're going through a very interesting time in politics where we're seeing uh, the right. And, and in this collectivist right, especially, really, uh, they're they're enamored with the way that the economy is going. You have I had Michael Johns, who was the uh, co-founder of the Tea Party back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Mm. He was on my show back uh, last month, and he was discussing, you know, if you look at the tariffs, like we can say tariffs are bad, but if it's going to lead to more tariffs being gotten rid of down the road, that's a good thing. Uh, you mm. know, we're we're cutting <laughs> taxes left and right, and I'm just. Yeah, I, I, myself, so, I find myself a little lost for words, so I want to sure, get sure. Yeah, your so, opinion on yeah, this.
1: No, no, it's fine. It's fine. And I, and I get why people think this. I mean, I'm so I'm, – I'm sympathetic with, with people who are like, oh, Donald Trump must have an endgame here. And, it, and it maybe is to lower tariffs. The 4D chess. <laughs> yeah, 4D chess. But I think these people are being extremely naive. I, it, Donald Trump believes in economic – nationalism that's what he wants to bring about everything he's done up to date has been about building walls uh not just for people but for goods and services around america then that is not surprising because the right hegelian tradition again dating from the early 19th century has always erected protectionism as being a, a central principle of this ideological vision why because only because protectionism unites the people for what reason to rally behind whom the guy in charge so in the end mm-hmm. the right hegelian political tradition has begun fundamentally with protectionism as a as a as a core postulate and and these people and i see them every day i mean my my friend larry kudlow who's like an economic advisor to the to the white house or whatever um was on npr a couple of days ago and oh what donald trump really wants I'm sorry. It's very difficult for me <laughs> even to say this. Uh, is free free trade? No no tariffs. No tariffs. No subsidies. Uh, no non tariff barriers. Okay. So my friend Larry Kudlow is like proclaiming this on on uh, National Public Radio, and he's a, he's a dear heart, but he's he's either a, a liar or deceiving himself because the day that. First of all, since, since all this tariff hysteria began in early 2018, Trump has never given us an endgame. He's like, keep out the cars, keep out, keep out the steel, keep out the aluminum, keep out everything. And then one day he's dealing with, 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 with Europe and he's facing a car industry, very interesting, massively protesting the idea of tariffs. He's trying to figure out some way to get around this. So he announces, oh, Here's my endgame. No tariffs, no non-tariff barriers, no subsidies. On that same day, this guy signed an executive order to release $12 billion in aid to American farmers who've been hurt by his tariff policy. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like <laughs> this guy is trolling you know, uh, uh, the media and trolling the American people. He's, he's saying, I don't want any subsidies Stop subsidizing your products. Oh, and by the way, here's my executive order, giving $12 billion in subsidies to the farmers who've been hurt by by me. So <laughs> it's the ultimate hypocrisy. And in those days, and that was what, two weeks ago? In those mm-hmm. days since then, he keeps changing the terms. He's So one day he's like, oh, look at these terrible trade deficits. We, we can't have free trade until we get rid of the trade deficits. Okay. Uh, all right. We can discuss that some other time. Uh, and, and, and then like yesterday guess what? He's generating yet another objection to free trade, namely dumping. No foreign country should, should dare to sell us products that we can buy for ourselves at cheaper prices than we can, ourselves can produce them. So like his excuses for economic nationalism are without limit. Without limit. I mean, I could, like, right now list 12 excuses Donald Trump has, has named for why we can't have free trade. Oh, they're violating our intellectual property. Now they're dumping on us. Look, they're subsidizing their, their products. Look at the trade deficit. We can't have free trade because of the trade deficit. I mean, it just, it's nonstop. It's unending. At some point, I don't, I don't know who your friend was that you interviewed last month, but these people need to recognize Donald Trump is an economic nationalist of the right Hegelian sort, he's a follower of, of uh, Friedrich List, you know, the, the only economist in 300 years to finally advocate, you know, protectionism and economic policy. And he's doing it because he wants to reconstitute the nation state, plan the economy, be the master of the industrial sector, and, and inspire the, the hoi polloi, the stupid bourgeois hoi polloi to rally out around him as their CEO. That's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so, I, I've explained this dozens of times on the national and international press. And I've been right every single time. And so it's frustrating <laughs> for me uh, because, because this guy is transparent. Protectionism is his ideology. Economic nationalism is his dictatorial aspiration. He's going to get it come hell or high water and he will let not, nothing stop him. If you want free trade, you're going to have to get this guy out of power. That's the most important thing
0: so i uh, I know we're getting we're getting close in time here, but uh, mm. I'll ask you the same question that i asked uh so it was michael johns michael johns, he was the uh, co founder back uh, at the beginning of the tea party movement, and I asked him this question I said, michael, right now here we stand you know it's it's twenty eighteen it's two years until donald trump's twenty twenty re election um you know looking at the world, let's say trump does get elected again in 2020 which is is up to debate uh, especially depending on how things turn here in the midterms the next few months um what will the world look like in 2024 and he responded that you know we're gonna have a strong booming economy American um, uh, american employment's gonna be sky high there's gonna be national confidence we're gonna have a redu- reduction of foreign intervention and uh, foreign entanglements and uh i i mean that
1: I, I kinda... <laughs> I mean, these, these people are crazy i mean like like <laughs> Like, I'm always astonished, like, oh, he's making peace with Russia. Okay, maybe that's because, you know, Putin is a fascist just like him. Um, but in terms of his international relationships, I mean, Obama actually, you know, I'm not a fan of Obama, but he actually, he actually negotiated a peace with two hot-button nations, Cuba and Iran. Like we had actually diplomatic relations and a good uh, growing levels of of, uh, peace with both these countries. Donald Trump shows up and reverses both of those. More sanctions on Iran. Oh, down with Cuba. Cuba sucks. So like these are just two incidences and and not to mention the fact that he's got drone wars going on all over Syria and, and everywhere else. Donald Trump is a warmonger of the worst sort. And, and it's going to get worse. He's actually worse than Obama on, on, on international politics. He doesn't want peace. Yes, he wants peace with Putin and he wants peace with North Korea because he like, personally identifies with dictators, okay? But he does not want uh, peace with, with Iran. And he doesn't want peace with Cuba. And actually, I think these are the very much warlike stances. He's done nothing to unravel troop presence in in Afghanistan. For God's sake, we're still there. It's unbelievable. But are we there mm. twice as long as the Soviet Union was? Uh-huh. And and not say anything about Iraq and and his war on ISIS, by the way, which he claims to have won. You know, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't uh, 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 celebrate that victory just yet because he did it by. Uh, uh, drone drone wars that which which randomly killed and terrorized whole populations. So I mean, is that going to come back? I think probably so. I don't think we're done with Muslim extremism. Uh, the strength of Donald Trump is not capable of beating back uh, a, f- a fanatical faith that's been unleashed by American wars. So these people, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, I find their naivety. Basically, I think Trumpism has become a cult, and <laughs> and they. Th- and, and they believe anything he says and does because he's against their enemies. And guess what? Uh, if you go along with that ideology, you are being trolled. You're selling your soul for uh, collectivism and fascism. And it's extremely dangerous. You cannot call yourself a defender of, of human liberty and be a member of the Trump cult. That, that is, like, I, f- I wish we could just grow up and see what's going on around us. We do not have to be partisans in this endless battle between left and right to control our lives. Our job is to dissent from this stupid war that dates back 200 years and to hold up the light of liberty, celebrate the individual, and dismantle states that are preventing society from developing according to their own lives and giving us freedom and prosperity and peace. That, that's, that's, that's what I... I believe. And I, I I say it every day and every way and everything I write.
0: <laughs> so twenty twenty four, Donald Trump gets reelected in twenty twenty. Where do you see America going into the twenty twenty four election? Um, both as a nation in terms of our the the thermostat of aggression between the left and the right but also where do we stand economically what's your your um your educated well, assumption okay if,
1: if here is here's what i worry about if if trump gets his way and we go full protectionist i i, I actually worry that the economy will tank i mean it's happened before in 1930 the smooth hall of tariffs mm-hmm. nobody intended that to happen it created unbelievable calamity i i think that uh trump's trade policy is is playing with with fire in the worst possible way, so i don't know but 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 here's here's what i'm thinking in terms of politics and and uh competitors to trump you know how you 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 see the Democrats now flirting with socialism and oh here's you know this uh, uh, young Hispanic woman in, in New York look she won an election maybe we can have Bernie Sanders well, I don't think any of that really matters I think what's going to happen between now and the next election is the Democrats are going to realize that if you're going to defeat Donald Trump you need to have your own version of Donald Trump and, uh, and I think that uh, they've begun to settle on who this is and, and, I, and I have the feeling that it could actually happen but it's going to be a tough guy
0: who do you think it might be? Uh,
1: um, sorry, I don't remember his name. Is Michael? He's the uh, uh, Michael
0: Levante, the uh, lawyer.
1: Yeah, yeah, Michael Levante, and I say this based on yeah, yeah, Stormy Daniels. I say this based on a, an extraordinary article that appeared. Um, what is it today, Monday? It appeared yesterday in the in the New York Times Magazine. It was it was a brilliant article. I think that Michael Levante is the chosen one, and he's not an ideological leftist in any way. He's a tough guy new york fixer with skin as thick as cement walls right he's trump and and i think the democrats at this point are so panicked about the invincibility of donald trump that they're going to forget uh bernie sanders and the socialist cult of the far left and they're gonna they're gonna uh, everybody's gonna be like Wh- whatever else happens we gotta get this guy here i think avante is the only person in public life today who could actually accomplish this. So I think he's going to get the nomination and I think he's going to win. And he can win based on a free trade platform, an anti-dictatorship platform, a platform in favor of constitution and the rule of law, which he actually believes in. And which is, I'm not like, I think this guy is an unprincipled creep, by the way, right? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a complete monster and a, and a, and a, and a litigating troll. Uh, on the other hand, uh, he's he's good looking. He's super articulate, he's tough as nails, and, and Trump is vulnerable. Not for the reason that uh, Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders believes, right? But, but because he's done a lot of stupid things to screw over the very people who voted for him. For example, the attacks on uh, free trade, and, and that's where he's vulnerable. And I, th- I think the Democrats are going to, have been so traumatized, so shaken, by, by Trump's popularity, and don't believe anything you read in the Washington Post. Trump is an enormously popular president. They've got to come up with somebody who's capable of rallying the masses, and I think Michael Avanté is capable of doing that. So that's that's what I think is going to happen. I, 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 <laughs> in other words, between now and that election, everything is going to change. Like, don't believe anything you read in the Nation, the, the Washington Post. If you want to, you want to see where the ruling class, the left of center ruling class, is headed read the new york times and that article on michael avante was extraordinary that he is the chosen one that's that's going to be the contest in the next presidential election it's going to be donald trump versus (laughs) avante avante is going to be slick young beautiful articulate and 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 rallying the masses and i think donald trump at that point is going to look stupid and old and and i think he's going to win (laughs) that's fine. <laughs> well,
0: Mister <laughs> Mr. Jeffrey Tucker, thank you so much. And, and before I let you go, uh, mm-hmm. first and foremost, I want people to be able to find you on social media. So give us some plugs, and then give us some uh, some final thoughts here for the uh, the rest of the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so my my Twitter is uh, Jeffrey A Tucker, and I'll be glad for you to follow me. Uh, I write almost every day at AIR.org, org, which is the American Institute for Economic Research, founded in 1933, and I'm very honored to have this uh, position there. And my final thought is that if you believe in prosperity, peace, and human dignity, think of yourself as a dissident. Don't get sucked in. Don't go along with the prevailing narrative. You do not have to accept prevailing orthodoxies. Think for yourself, fight for freedom, fight for human rights, and I think, I think we can win. I can, but it's gonna require all of us.
0: Well, uh, I couldn't have said better myself. Well. Thank you so much, Mr. Tucker, for uh, for joining us today. And uh, obviously, it is an honor to have you on and uh, to hear your perspective. Um, I definitely think uh, we need more voices like you going forward that are more level-headed and and not in that uh, collective uh, collectivist mindset. So. Uh, well, thank you so much. Um, until next time, folks, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Liberty and uh, on Facebook at Liberty as well. Uh, and if you enjoyed today's show, uh, please take some time and share with your families and friends. Uh, this is the kind of episode I really want folks to, to really t- uh, take a couple of minutes and, and digest all that we've, we've discussed here, all the way from the uh, the collectivist right and left, Jordan Peterson, tariffs, immigration, uh, and, and the, the man that is Donald Trump. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on the Brian Nichols Show and uh, signing off for Dr. Jeffrey Tucker. Until next time, we'll see you then.